Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. I was just going to ask, are you around later maybe just to meet up and have a chat about that project? I'd love to, but after we finish the Zoom, I've got to go to the corner shop and get another box of sandwich bags. Oh, gosh, sandwich bags. Golly, you know why? We, I do know why, because we feed Paleo Ridge, and Paleo Ridge offers such a rich, diverse range of protein sources that it's such a great idea to thaw out, for example, wild venison and duck. Well, that's what uh, I've done. So ours is just defrosting now, and by the time I'm done, it'll be defrosted, but it's a kilogram box, and obviously he's not going to eat all that today. So I'm going to take it out and put it in the different sandwich bags, and we put them back in the freezer, and he's got his meal for every day. That's brilliant. But you see, what I do, I go a step further. So when we get a delivery, I might also thaw out, for example, their lamb tripe and chicken. So that what I'm doing is decanting different protein sources into different freezer bags so that I can do this, which is ensure that Prudence and Mr. Binks, in every meal, they eat about four different protein sources per meal. Yeah, because there's evidence now out there in the field of nutrition that actually concurs that a minimum of three, ideally more, protein sources in a bowl at one time will maximise the microbiome and boost your dog's immune system. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we'll do that then. So I should then defrost uh, like the the tripe, the lamb tripe I have. Yeah, definitely. As well, and mix them together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. for me, I always have a bit of tripe in there. And I love the way that Paleo Ridge offers both beef tripe and lamb tripe, which is quite unusual. And it allows, you know, two different protein sources of tripe, which raw green tripe, for me, anyway, is like an elixir for dogs. Well, we know everyone knows Anna. Anna Webb is the queen of tripe. Yes. What an accolade. <laughs> so... If people want to get their tripe and various sources of protein from Paleo Ridge, they go to paleoridge.co.uk. Hey, Mr. Binks. You know, we're very excited because Discover Dogs is coming up. I think it starts on Saturday the 15th of October. And that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to speak to Bill Lambert from the Kennel Club about what's going on there this year. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Bill. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Thanks very much, Anna. Lovely to be joining you. Um, currently, I'm in Sofia, Bulgaria, so it's nice to join you, even though it's long distance. Well, it's amazing. The line is clearer than um, on many occasions when everyone's in the UK. <laughs> that's, that's often the case. With modern communication, I think one of the things that COVID has taught us is, you know, effective ways of communicating remotely now. We're, we're, we're so used to it now. It's, uh, we do it as a matter of fact now. I know, but it's important not to get lazy. Um, You know, I'm actually really enjoying seeing people face to face, which is why I'm excited about seeing you at the Excel Centre very soon. Isn't that right, Bill? What's happening there? Well, absolutely. And of course, we're 
delighted to be back. We, we did have Discover Dogs last year. It was on a slightly reduced scale last year, but it's back, and a lot of the regular features that we put on and that are very popular with people are back this year. So we are really very excited about it. Well, guess what? I was on the Tube this week, and... Um... I saw this fabulous advert called The Poodle Poem, um, advertising Discover Dogs. And I thought that was really interesting because poodles, you know, I wish we could see more poodles, Bill. Yes, you're right. They're, they're a breed. They're often used in the in crossbreed programs for very good reason. But I think that sometimes the actual poodle gets a little bit forgotten. They're very much seen as a, as a show dog because they are, you know, tri- they're fantastic trims that we see them in. But of course, they do make fantastic pets. They're highly intelligent, highly highly lively dogs, and they do make great companions. They're so bright, actually. I know a toy poodle and I love her. She's cheeky and she's beautifully coiffed. And um, and they really are, I suppose, the truly hypoallergenic breed. Well, they are indeed. And that's one of the great advantages of Discover Dogs. It's the opportunity for people to see all the different breeds. You know, there's over 200 breeds that we register in the UK and most of those can be seen at Discover Dogs. But it's so important that when people are thinking about getting a dog, you know, they fit, they, they get the right one that fits their lifestyle. Of course, that's what Discover Dogs is all about, is so that people can meet all the different breeds and decide which one is right for them. Yes, and I love that on your website for Discover Dogs this year. You've got this lovely sort of, um, I don't know, storyboard um, on the homepage of somebody looking for the right dog, you know, and they, they start off, I think, with um, a Labrador and they end up with a, a Jack Russell as being actually more suitable for their home environment, the size of their garden and, um, you know, the, the, the family situation. That's absolutely right. And it's interesting, the Labradors become become almost the go-to breed. It's one of the most popular breeds, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, of course, there are lots of other breeds that may suit people, particularly in London. Labradors are quite a big dog, um, and they do need a bit of exercise. And people living in London perhaps need something that's a little bit more compact, a smaller dog, perhaps one that needs a little bit less exercise. So this is why it's very important that people do their research before they buy a dog. And, of course, Discover Dogs is the ideal place to start that. Yes, no, really, particularly as well, you know, it's something that's close to my heart. It's the vulnerable British breeds. Yes, they are. And they, we, we, what we do, we highlight these breeds when they when their registrations. And when I say registrations, that's the number of dogs registered each year. So new puppy registrations. When the registrations drop below 300, we really start to promote these breeds because it's really important they don't get forgotten about. And it often is simply they do get forgotten about. Now, this year, I'll give you, give you an example. Believe it or not, the, the, the Queen's favourite breed, um, obviously the, the, it came uh, into real attention during the Queen's funeral um, because she was a very big supporter of dogs. She was the patron of the Kennel Club. So it was such a sad loss when the Queen died. But her dogs, suddenly everybody remembered that, that she did have corgis. And over the last year, they have actually increased in popularity, largely because of the Queen's Jubilee and the celebrations surrounding it. And these days we see breeds that become popular because they're seen in, in social media often. And of course, the Queen was the cele- a huge celebrity of the past. And the fact that she had corgis popularised the breed. 
Yes, no, definitely. So is because there's two types of corgis, isn't there? And the Queen um, favoured the Pembroke corgi rather than the Cardiganshire corgi. So is the Pembroke corgi, you know, safe and not in the endangered category now, Bill? You're absolutely right. It is, and it, it, we registered around about a thousand last year. So they they have come out of that of that vulnerable list. But we'll keep an eye on them. And the Cardigan, see, as actually it is still in that vulnerable list. So it is, you know, it's again, it's people doing their research, finding out about them and thinking about these breeds that are a little bit rarer and that you don't see every day because they may make the, the perfect companion for those people. Well, absolutely. I mean, for me, you know, you know, I've got my little Mr. Binks, you know, the co-host of A Dog's Life, actually. And he's an English toy terrier, which, you know, I remember seeing them once at a dog show and thinking, what is that dog? You know, they caught my eye because they're just so sculptured and, you know, with a pointy ear, which I love, and the smooth coat, which I love. But, you know, I feel for London, they're a perfect dog, Bill, but, but they're very vulnerable, aren't they? They are indeed. And it's interesting you mention them as a London dog because they they are uh, interestingly they're they're a, a derivative of the Manchester Terrier. They have a similar background, but they are actually a dog that were bred for urban use. But of course, their purpose has actually changed. And when I say urban use, people had dogs, particularly some of the terriers, um, in the sort of uh, early part of the last century, simply because they were they they we had London had a problem with with rats and mice. And of course, having a dog in the house actually helped control the rat, rats and mice. Now, of course, we live in different conditions now, and that's possibly one of the reasons why the popularity of particularly the British terriers has dropped away a little bit. Yeah, it is a shame, actually, um, because the smooth coat fox terrier, another of my favourites, actually, is also on the vulnerable list. But interestingly, the wire coat, I see loads of them around, but not the smooth. And for me, because, you know, I can't be faffed with too much grooming, you know, the smooth would be the one I would, would choose out of the two. <laughs> well, I would probably agree with you, Anna, because I, I have bull terriers. I like smooth coated breeds because a little bit like you, you know, I haven't, I perhaps don't particularly want a dog that is, has a lot of grooming. But I have to say that the the, the um, wire fox terrier and and all those what we call the trim terriers, they do look really handsome in their when they're actually groomed and they're looking really sort of spruce. And I, I see them at shows a lot. And of course, they do look fantastic. So I can understand the appeal. And providing people are prepared to put the work in, and of course that does mean just take often taking to a groomer on a regular basis. Then there's actually no reason why people shouldn't have one. No, I know. But in these times of austerity, adding grooming into the cost of a dog. So I think, you know, everyone needs to be realistic. Dogs aren't cheap. And and I think people coming to the show, which, which I know Discover Dogs does do, highlights, you know, from an educational perspective, all the aspects of being a responsible pet parent, you know, and, and the cost has to be factored in. You're, you're absolutely right. And we are really concerned. We know that lots of people bought dogs through the pandemic to, as company. And perhaps some of those people are going back to work now. We are seeing somewhat of a welfare crisis. There's lots of dogs uh, currently in rescue needing homes. So we are very concerned about that. And of course, we have on the on the, the crest of a, a cost of living crisis or the beginning of a cost of living crisis, it is a concern that people may have to think twice about getting a pet or keeping their animals. So it is something that people should absolutely take into consideration when they're thinking about getting a dog. You know, absolutely. And we know that smaller dogs, you know, they they, they eat less. <laughs> and um, I always say they do smaller poops, Bill. 
Well, yes, um, but I don't know that's necessarily a reason for, for not having a larger <laughs> dog. But, of course, the cost of food, you're absolutely right, the cost of food is a factor. And for a large dog, you're talking, you know, possibly up to 10 times the amount of food that a small dog w- would uh, eat. There's a, such a variety in dogs. You've got to remember, you've, you've got dogs as small as a Chihuahua or a Yorkshire Terrier, right up to the a St Bernard or Great Dane, and they, they eat correspondingly different amounts of food. So it is a consideration. They will cost considerably more to actually keep a larger dog. Yes, no, absolutely. But this is why Discover Dogs is so great. But moving away from kind of the pedigrees, at Discover Dogs every year, you have one of the, is it the main semi-final of, of Scruffs? That's right, it is. And of course, Scruffs is the, the crossbreed competition. We have heats right across the uh, country. And you're absolutely right that... that, that um, uh, discover dogs that we have this we have one of the cat- one of the um rounds there and the f- winners of those rounds do go on and get the opportunity to to compete at crufts against all the or alongside all the pedigree dogs so it's a great achievement for people to to actually enter but of course there's, each of those dogs has a fantastic story the rescue um situations that, that they each come from um there's always a story to tell and they are quite tear jerking some of them yeah, I know it is. And it is um, also fabulous to promote those dogs because I think some people kind of think, oh, no, I'm not sure about a rescue, you know, because, oh, don't know the background. We need a dog that we're going to raise from the get go. And it puts people off, I think. Do you agree, Bill? And that's why we've seen such a surge in puppy buying. <laughs> Well, interestingly, I think there is absolutely no substitute for for buying a puppy and getting a puppy of the breed that you selected that's right for you. There is no substitute for that. But there are opportunities for rescue dogs. And, of course, there's lots of dogs that that need homes. So I'm absolutely supportive of people getting a rescue dog. Of course, what people often don't realise, we we do run breed rescue, kennel club breed rescue. So you actually, we have a rescue organisation for most of the 200 breeds that we register. And therefore, there is an opportunity to, for people to actually rescue a dog of the breed that they want. And that's another thing that we will have on, on the show at Discover Dogs. There'll be a number of rescue organisations there that have rescued dogs that need rescuing of, of the various different breeds. Yeah, well, that that's perfect, isn't it? And, and often just put your name down, you know, so that you know it's there and then prepare, really prepare your lifestyle ready for your, your pooch. I think that's so important. But also Discover Dogs is about, gosh, just highlighting. I love it so much. Um, highlighting the brilliance, the magnitude, the importance of man's best friend, isn't it, Bill? And there's features through the two days of the event that really highlight that. Not least, I've heard that medical detection dogs are going to be in the main arena doing a demonstration of how dogs in this instance, you know, detect COVID. Dogs are man's best friend, as you rightly say, Anna, but of course they play a really useful part in our lives. And medical detection dogs are, are, are dogs that actually can uh, literally sniff out disease. And we have some fantastic stories of people's lives who have literally been saved by early detection of various conditions. Um, I've learned only recently that, that um, some of the, the, the more recent advances in, in um, medical detection dogs, dogs are now being trained to sniff things that even like coronavirus. So the range of different 
um, conditions that dogs can actually smell because dogs' noses are so sensitive. Um, the, 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 some of the, the, the those are so sensitive they can actually um, smell the equivalent of a spoonful of sugar in two Olympic-sized swimming pools. So uh, you and I probably couldn't even um, detect whether sugar's in a cup of tea by smelling it, but a dog can do that. And and it so the the, the range of different diseases that dogs can actually uh, detect for now is phenomenal, and they are doing a, such a useful job. It is amazing, I and mean, they're really setting the way globally. I think medical detection dogs. So, but but visitors to the show, I think, are getting a sneak preview. Well, not sneak preview, but you know, the opportunity to meet the dogs, talk to the the trainers behind the dogs, and learn more and see them in action. Absolutely. And there's also lots of other displays as well. There's, there's the West Midlands Police, their display team is on a show there that people can actually meet those people and talk to the talk to the people about the dogs and how they're trained. But there's there really is something for everyone, Anna. One of our most popular features at Discover Dogs is our Cuddle Corner. And uh, we, unfortunately, we had to suspend it last year because of the risk of coronavirus, but that's receding a little bit this year. And it is the opportunity for people to come and literally have a cuddle of their face favorite breed and literally people it's one of the most popular things we put on and of course we know that actually making a fuss of a dog reduces stress so if anyone's a little bit stressed come along to discover dogs and we can help relieve that yeah and that's such an opportunity as well for children to get close up to dogs in a um, you know in a controlled environment an experience you know the wonder of of just dogs making you laugh as you say reduce your stress but it's interesting there was a paper out last week about how dogs can definitely now it's been scientifically proven bill they smell our stress you know so it's interesting so again with their olfaction that we were talking about they know already when we're stressed out and that's what's so lovely dogs go out of their way to think hang on that's not good human you can't be fun because dogs just want to have fun don't they bill they, they do indeed. They're very much part of your life. They're, they're often closer than, than a, a close relative or even a family member because we're often spending more time with them. And dogs are very, very sensitive. They pick up so much, not just from the smell, but from our body language. So they really are in tune with us. And they can tell when we're unhappy, when we're sad, because their moods never change. They're always ready to cheer us up. So I think having a dog in your life is, is so important and it can actually really make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. And talking of fun, though, and showing again how you can train your dog, because that's the other thing as well. I think, you know, as a child speaking personally, I gained confidence just by training, you know, our family dogs. I grew up around a lot of dogs. I was very lucky. And um, yeah, I was going to Crufts Bill when I was eight, you know, and um, I loved it. That's why I love the breed so much. And you've got you're doing this like I'm not into football, by the way, but there is a big football competition coming up, isn't there? Bill? and you're, you've got some dogs that are going to be pretending to be footballers. We have indeed. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. We felt we had to do something to celebrate the World Cup. Obviously, the World Cup's taking uh, part this year out of this country, but in this country, we have got the Woofball World Cup and we have all sorts of teams and, and uh, against each other. We have Barcelona against West Hound United. So we're really very, very excited about that. Uh, it's the first time we've done it. So it's something we're all looking forward to. 
Yeah, and it's just going to show people a bit of fun. And those dogs that have been trained to nose a ball, do headers with the ball, and, you know, listen to instructions from their, their handlers and work at speed. And that's the other thing, of course, you've got agility being showcased, which is just such a huge sport now, isn't it? Because it involves the human with the dog working as a team, you know, really showing how trust and confidence and communication can be achieved through training. You're absolutely right. Agility is it's hugely growing now. And it's of course it's something that owners can do with their dog. It's it's really is a team effort. And the excitement you see the bond between owner and dog is absolutely fantastic. They're both working in harmony for each other. And it, it's such an exciting competition. Um it's often referred to as show jumping for dogs, which I think is is perhaps fair but also unfair because it is a little bit different but it does show you what you can do with your dogs and what one of the many activities that are out there that are available for owners to participate it is all about enrichment isn't it with dogs and i just feel a little bit sad that through the pandemic perhaps people didn't realize not just what a commitment a dog is but the fun that you can have with your dog but in doing so you do have to put yourself out a bit you know you have to buy a pair of wellies and buy clothes I always say to people with pockets in so you can always have a treat in your pocket to quickly give a bit of positive reinforcement you know little details like that Bill. I think you're right. I, I think if I look at all my coats, there's a, there's a treat in one pocket and a poo bag in the other because I'm always yeah. really ready for that. But I think it, it is, you're absolutely right, it is a commitment. And I think it, there is a possibility that through the pandemic, some people actually made a decision that possibly they're regretting. But I think there are, you know, I look at these things positively and actually dog ownership has definitely increased during the pandemic. And that has to be a positive thing. Uh, pet ownership, dog ownership really is a, a good thing. And certainly, in a, in a, it's a sign, I think, of a healthy society, quite frankly. It's a really good way of putting it. Well, dogs are good for our health. We know, you know, dog owners apparently live longer than non-dog owners. And what's another one? We smile more, Bill, apparently, and therefore use less facial muscles because frowning uses more muscles than smiling. So dogs could be an alternative to Botox. I'm being silly. But, you know, generally, yes, that's right. They boost us, definitely. But you've also, in building up to this year's event, you've been doing some interesting surveys. Um, particularly of dogs in London, the types of dogs that are popular in urban environments, which I think is interesting, linking back, you know, to potentially the English Toy Terrier being a super urban dog. Basically, you've done research showing that old adage to be right, that dogs are indeed like their owners, Bill. They are. It's fascinating, actually, some of the things we find out. We have seen, obviously, over, over recent years, we have seen trends... Um, from away from larger dogs towards smaller dogs. And, and those trends are continuing. I think that's a fairly obvious thing to happen. You know, we, we've, we're much more about living in towns these days. And certainly London, um, smaller dogs are going to be more popular. But there are still people out there who want dogs. And it's it's so important that people get a dog that's, that suits their lifestyle. But also that can often extend to the appearance of the dog. You know, I, but people often say, I, I look like my dogs. I have a bull terrier. Now, that, I'm actually very flattered by that because I think bull terriers are very handsome dogs. But we do, we often see, you know, walking around, you'll often see people that have a, a certain similarity with that dog. It's probably because they're a 
attracted by similar characteristics. For example, if if I was someone who had long blonde hair, maybe I'd like a dog that had long blonde hair as well. And that's fine, providing the characteristics of that dog actually um, suit my lifestyle. It's much more about the lifestyle and what the temperament of the dog rather than just the appearance. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, And understanding, really, I think, what the dog was bred for, as you said earlier, you know, terriers, they're all feisty, they're all ready to go. They're fun, active, bright, perky dogs. And they had to be like that because they had to kill loads of very large rats. You can't be, you know, a little bit you know, not up for it if that was your purpose in life. So I think terriers often get a bit of a bad rap, but I love miniature bull terriers. Bill, you know that. I've also got one. And I I often wonder, you know, if dogs are like their owners, what does it say about us liking bull terriers? (laughs) Well, often, you know, I'm often described as mad for having bull terriers because they are a lot of work. But it, it goes down for all dogs. I think that if you put a lot of work into something, then you get so much more out of it. And certainly training a, a bull terrier or a miniature bull terrier is very rewarding because they are one of the more, more difficult dogs to actually train. But as long as you're prepared to do it and you know what you're taking on, then you can have great success and, and reap those rewards. Yes, oh, absolutely. You know, passing a good citizen dog scheme award with Prudence, you know, was like winning crafts, you know, the best in show trophy bill when she was younger. It was it was really great. And then, you know, you kind of push your own boundaries in doing so, which I think is so important for people to do. But I've seen so many more miniature bull terriers around Bill. Are they now no longer on the vulnerable breed list? You're absolutely I was going to mention it earlier, but you're absolutely right. They have come off the vulnerable breed list now. Um, interesting, they are increasing in popularity, but the bull terrier, its its larger cousin, is dropping in popularity. Now, it's not yet on the vulnerable list, and we'll keep an eye on that. But it just—it's another indication, perhaps, of way the trends are going towards smaller dogs. I, I consider myself quite lucky because as I've got older, I've decided to downsize from bull terriers to miniature bull terriers. I had that great that that alternative there um but of course if you've if you've been used to a larger dog a german shepherd for example we don't have such a thing as a miniature german shepherd but we do have another nine you know over 199 other breeds to choose from so there is a breed out there for everybody Yes, it's funny. Prudence has just made friends with a, a standard bully. You'd love love him. He's called Steve. He's only one. He's huge. Um, and they get on really well. He's white with some um, brown patches. He's a character. But uh, again, that's again what you get. You get a, a full on personality. And I say this to people with miniature bull terriers, you know. It might be small, <laughs> but it's a rocket. <laughs> well, my, my brother-in-law describes my miniature bull terriers as, as a twelve-volt packet, a twelve-volt battery in a six-volt pack. So they have all the energy crammed up in a small space. I know, and it's just you know they're always up to mischief. They're always thinking ahead. That's what I love about them. I mean, Prue's thinking ahead at the moment. So, uh, but she's been very well behaved, hasn't she, Bill? So far for this episode, you may have heard a bit of clanking in the background. That was her chew. I always say about bull terriers, they're either doing something they shouldn't be doing or they're planning to do something they shouldn't be doing. You're absolutely right there. Well, Bill, I'm so excited. So just run us by, again, the the times that the show's open, where it is, and is it free to get in? Well, no, it's not. It is. um, Children under eight can go in free, but it's actually tickets available now from, from £15. So it is cheaper if you buy tickets in advance. It's on the 15th and 16th at the Excel Centre. So we're looking forward to welcoming people along. Well, I can't wait to see you there, Bill. I hope you will be there. 
I, I will be there. I'll be there with open arms waiting, waiting to greet you, Anna. Oh, I can't wait, Bill. Thank you so much for this. Great stuff. Looking forward to seeing you. Well, that's our show, Mr Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know. It is, of course, going to be a great weekend at Discover Dogs. What's that? You're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. If you're thinking about getting a puppy, please remember that there are over 200 different breeds to choose from and consider your own experience and your lifestyle when choosing your pup. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Bill Lambert from The Kennel Club and all the links will be in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer. Find out more about Mike and his team at Pod People UK. And don't forget that you can now join a Dog's Life Club through Patreon and all the links are in the show notes. What's that, Mr Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you go and subscribe now? It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.